Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everyone. How are we? Well, you made it. Listen, you made it. I'm so happy you've come. Um, When you wake up in the morning like this and it's rainy out, it's so much easier to just stay in bed. Yes, I'm glad you've come. Um, Today is going to be a little unique and unusual, and I'm already off my notes. I just want to tell you, today we're going to talk about prayers of lament. It's going to feel a little flat, maybe depressed to you. Um, That's intentional, right? God is doing something in our midst. I was praying this morning that God would would deliver um, us that hear this message today, that the culture around us is preaching a different salvation, a different hope, and a different faith. And we, we have our hope and faith rooted in Jesus Christ and the work that he does. And the words that I'm going to share today are going to liberate people, are going to help people break free from what the truth that they've, the, the false truth, I should say, <laughs> does that make sense, of what the culture is telling us of what faith looks like in Jesus. So um, on that end, um, those are big shoes I, I have to fill now, but I'm, I'm convinced God is doing something great. So sorrow and crying is a part of the human condition. It's a part of what it means to be human. Our mothers wept, right, tears of joy and pain as we entered into this world. And upon leaving the protected confines of our mother's womb, we vocalized our own sorrow in loud protest when the doctor smacked us on the bottom and we began to cry as well. And if God would bless us, and when we breathe our last at some point, we will all breathe our last at some point. If God has blessed us with friends and family to maybe be in the room with us, they will be saying goodbye to us with tears in their eyes. Crying, weeping is a part of the human condition. And death for us is the ultimate reminder that something is not right in this world. The Bible tells us that death is a result of sin. And we go back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, we see that sin entered into the world and death because of sin. Death reminds us continually that something is not the way that God intended. But not just death. There are other reminders. Cancer is a reminder that something is broken in this world. Addictions, whether they be to narcotics, prescription drugs, illegal drugs, to food, to sex, to any other savior that you're hanging on to. Addictions are a reminder that something is wrong in this world. Failed marriages, loneliness, abuse, social and racial injustice, etc., etc., etc. All of these things are reminders that something is not right in this world. And when we embrace those things, we often find ourselves weeping. To cry is to be human. In a book, Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy by Mark Vrogup, he writes this, that while tears and sorrow are part of humanity, there is an often neglected prayer language in the Bible for our travels through a broken world. What he's pointing to is that this prayer language is called lament. Raise your hand if you've heard of lament before. 
And if you haven't, you're going to experience something that will open your eyes to a way of walking with God that is both faithful and biblical and helpful for you on your journey. We don't stop crying after our birth. It continues throughout our lives because the world is broken. And we learn to embrace that, those moments of sorrow and mourning with lament through prayer. So we are embarking on our fourth week of a prayer series. So for the last four weeks, this is the four weeks. We got one more week next week. We've been doing a spiritual discipline or spiritual practice of prayer. We're talking about the importance of prayer. If you've been here for a while, we've been talking about how, how prayer is important to us. That we know it's important. We took a little like soft poll, like how many people wish they prayed more and most hands went up. How many people wish they had more robust prayer life? We all raised our hands. We understand that to be Christian, right, we need to pray more. We understand that, but we just don't do it very well. And part of that's because we don't understand how to pray. So we talked about how to pray. Can we look at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11 or whatever and use that as a template or a model to pray in our own lives, to use our own words to pray to God? We've been learning how to pray. Last week, we talked about persisting in prayers. Jesus, after he teaches his disciples how to pray, he then tells them a parable about the persistent neighbor who comes knocking at midnight, asking his neighbor for some food. I need some food from you. And, and the, Jesus says these words, and he'll give him the food, not because he's a good neighbor. No, because he just keeps on knocking at the freaking door. And we learned that prayer, we must be persistent it's important, it's helpful, it, it works for us, and lamenting is a part of prayer as well. We're going to learn what lamenting prayer is. First off, it's a language for our cries. It's a prayer for help coming out of pain and sorrow. And, this is my favorite part, it's biblical. When you look to the pages of Scripture, you see that there is lament all through the Bible. In the Old Testament book, there's a book called Psalms. Many of you have read some of it. There's 150 Psalms. It's considered to be like the prayer book or the worship book of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. Of those 150 Psalms, commentators disagree on the total number, but most of them all agree that over one-third of them, 50-plus Psalms, are prayers of lament and sorrow and grief. We have a whole book in the Old Testament called the Book of Lamentations, right? Which expresses the confusion and the suffering that the people of God felt after the destruction of their holy city, Jerusalem, by the Babylonians. In the, in the Psalms, there are laments. Laments are, uh, frequently occur in the book of Job. The prophets cry out to God in lament. Je Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. The Bible's filled with lament. And despite its wide-ranging presence in the Bible, we Christians oftentimes have lost touch with this dimension of prayer. We don't lament well. Eugene Peterson writes in his foreword to a book by Michael Card. The book is called A Sacred Sorrow, Reaching Out to God in the Lost Language of Lament. But Eugene Peterson writes these words. It's an odd thing when you think about it. Jesus wept. Job wept, David wept, Jeremiah wept, and they did it openly, and their weeping became a matter of public record. Their weeping, sanctioned by inclusion in our holy scriptures, is a continuing and reliable witness that weeping has an honored place in the life of faith. Whew. Well done, Pastor Peterson. <laughs> 
His argument is this, is that God who wrote the scriptures, right? Men wrote it for sure, but inspired by the, the Holy Spirit, that God has contained, has contained within scriptures the very parts that are important for us to understand. And he could have left, hear me, he could have left this part out. He's writing the story. He could have done anything he wanted to do, but he didn't leave these parts out. He includes them. And what Eugene Peterson is drawing attention to, he is sanctioning sorrow. He is sanctioning the weeping, the crying, the wondering, the questioning, what is happening, God? All of that is sanctioned by God himself by inclusion in Scripture. The Apostle Paul, writing to a young pastor in a city called Ephesus, writes it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writes this, that all scripture, scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man and woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. What Paul is saying, and may I remind you that when Paul was writing this letter to Timothy, the scriptures that he is saying that is breathed out by God himself that's helpful to us is not the New Testament. There was no New Testament. Paul is writing the New Testament. He's talking about the book of Psalms. He's talking about the lament of Job and Jeremiah, etc. So in lament, this is what we do as believers. We affirm that the world is broken. Amen? Amen. I got an amen for a broken world. That'll work. That God is powerful. Amen? amen. Amen. And he will be faithful to us. And he will be faithful to his own words. Thus, lament helps us to stand in the gap between pain and promise. It helps us to stand in that already and not yet. It helps us to stand on that Saturday. When something so dark has just transpired and we don't know how we're going to get through to Sunday. But God, he's got it figured out, doesn't he? And so lament for us is a place, it's a, it's a way to stand in that gap. To define it like this, lament is prayer and pain that leads us to trust in God. Again, Mark Rogup says this, to cry is to be human, but to lament is to be Christian is what he would say. And there is a distinction. The Bible does talk about how we as believers, that we mourn differently than everyone else. Why? It's because we don't mourn with no hope. We have hope. And so weeping and sorrow and sadness, they're, they're not to be discarded and to be rushed through, but to be embraced and, and to be actually used by God through the Holy Spirit in us to take us to a place, to take us into deeper faith and deeper understanding of who God is. It's a pathway for us, should we choose to journey on it. But lament, unfortunately, is oftentimes misunderstood. And it's misunderstood, I think, because it's unexplained a lot and it's inexperienced the right way. Rejoice always. That's what I quoted Paul uh, this morning already. To pray without ceasing, to pray continually, he says, and to rejoice always. Hear me when I say this. I believe that to be true. That is the goal of our Christian experience, that we would rejoice always. The goal for us in Christ Jesus is to rejoice. But it's not the way to get there. That when we are sorrowful and sad, we can't just paint a different face on us and go, everything's fine. There was an, uh, an older lady. Can I say that? I don't know. Is that okay? Whatever. An old woman at my old church, I'm just saying, that I used to go to. 
this lovely senior saint, and, and she had gone through the ringer in life. She'd been widowed for a couple decades at this point, um, and her, her health was starting to fail. And you'd see her on Sunday, and she was faithful. You know what I'm talking about? Like, she was the one that was there. Like, like okay, let's just all mock the people that aren't here right now because it was raining. For real, right? Whatever. It was raining out. No, we won't do that. God will mock them. We won't do that. Well, God will mock them. No, but she, like, rain or shine, snow or whatever, she came to church. And, and I remember seeing her um, after she just got out of the hospital. I knew she'd been in the hospital for 10 days or whatever. And I said, hey, how are things going, Mrs. So-and-so? And she looks at me, and she's like, He's still on the throne. And it's true, isn't it? But she didn't say, I I just spent 10 days in the hospital and had test after test after test, and the doctors say they have no hope for me, and I just don't know what I'm going to do next. She, She moved right through that, bless her, bless her, Right to God is still on the throne. He's still good. And, and this is my argument. It's like we don't fully understand the, the need of and, and the way to lament, to walk through sorrow and grief with God in an understanding that it actually helps us grow in faith and, and, and trust in him more. Because we're so quick to go, I'm fine. It's going to be okay. Um. There's a saying, if you come to church long, that, that you can say from this platform with a microphone, and it elicits a Pavlovian response from people out there. And I'm going to give you an experiment. Watch this. This is, this is going to be awesome. God is good. God is good. Right? See? Okay. So, so if, if, you, if, you don't, if you've never been to church, you're like, that's the weirdest cultish thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, he's pulled some strings and people started talking. It was the weirdest thing. No, but we just got, we say things like God is good all the time. All the time God is good. And it's, it is 100% true. It's not what, I'm not trying to argue that. But we don't want to move through that. Historian Ronald Ritters writes this in his book, the, Re- the Reformation of Suffering, that both the medieval Catholic Church and the Lutheran reformers, that they minimized the legitimacy of lament because they believed it was important that Christians exhibit to God an unflinching joy and acceptance of his will. If we believe in God's sovereignty, which we do here at Renaissance, we believe that God is leading us into um, seasons. We oftentimes believe that God leads us into dark seasons, the valley of the shadow, so to speak. Okay? And if we believe in that, that's absolutely fine. But unfortunately, we've been trained to believe that we're to accept that with just fake joy. An unflinching joy, an acceptance like, God, you know what's best for me, so whatever. I'm not going to say this sucks, but this sucks. <laughs> but I won't tell you, but it, it's right. And so we just go right through all of that. J.I. Packer also states that Northern European-influenced culture, of which Western America is one, so Northern European-influenced culture, welcome, they have historically embraced the stiff upper-lipped uh, upper ideal of human behavior, And they habitually look down on people who voice personal complaints in public as morally inferior weaklings. And that has become inculcated into the church. That somehow, now as Christians, that we have to do the same thing. That we have to just tough it out. There's a saying that we used to say in peewee softball or baseball when you got hurt. Is to throw some dirt on it and what? Get back in the game. Like, God knows what's happening. You cry later if you want, but go home and cry. But you don't cry on the field. Baseball players don't cry. And when your grandma dies, you don't cry at her funeral. 
And when you go back to school on Monday, you don't cry that you're never going to see her again because that's not what you do. You just work through it. And it's wrong. But there's something that we can gain from lament, from sorrow and grief, walking with God in the midst of it to a place of higher faith and higher trust. This is what God wants for us. And we move right through it. We suppress our sorrow and grief, and instead we should embrace it. Can you imagine with me, in your mind's eye, imagine what it would look like if God removed all of the laments in Scripture? Like if he took all of those parts out, let's just take one story and just see how tragically different it would be. So go with me in your mind's eye to the place of Golgotha, where Jesus is on a cross, right? He's hanging on a cross. He's beating his blood. He's wearing a crown of thorns, and they're, they're mocking him. They're doing all the things they're doing. The sky turns dark. The, the gospel writers tell us that between noon and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the sky went dark, mysterious. It's weird. It's whatever. It's a miracle, whatever you want to call it. It happened. The sky goes dark. At the end of the darkness, Jesus cries out with something. If you know the story, you know what he says. But if you don't know the story, let's change it. Imagine if, when Jesus is hanging on the cross with Mary, his mother, and John, the disciple, and the others that are gathered beneath the cross. What if Jesus on the cross, when he, he had a chance in the darkness to cry out his final words, he said this, God is good. And they repeated to him all the time, all the time, God is good. If we strip out the lament, that's what that story sounds like. Do you know what Jesus really said? This is what he said. Look here in Matthew chapter 27. From about the sixth hour, which is noon, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour, three in the afternoon. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you, God? It's a different story. If we move right past that moment, Jesus, if you don't know this, is actually quoting Psalm 22, one of the laments in the Old Testament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's taken the words of David, King David, the greatest king Israel has ever known and made them his own in the place of his darkness. He cries out to God in lament, where are you? I'm convinced many of us Many of us in this church are in dark places and we've conditioned ourselves, whether it be from external pressure or internal pressure or whatever pressure, cultural pressure to just move past it. And the Lord's like, slow your roll. Feel this. Walk with me in this. We're going somewhere and you can't get there without lament. You can't get there without the prayer language of lament, of sorrow, and brokenness. We, you and I, we will have a weak, thin faith if we do not embrace lament. We saw this after COVID. We saw this when we didn't know how to walk through what, Lord, seriously, a virus is going to take me out? A virus? Like, you, you know how fast I drive, right? You know how I eat. And this is the thing that's going to, like, we had to walk through all of that in our lives. And we learned that the church was filled with people whose faith is about this shallow. That their trust in God only, only went as far as how, how good their life was. That unfortunately, the circumstances dictated on how their faith and trust in God was to be expressed. 
It's not to be shame nor condemnation. It's just supposed to be a fact. And I just want you to see it for what it is. But God has given us an opportunity to lament properly, biblically. And I want to walk us through just four simple steps to get there. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. If not, you could listen to the podcast later, or watch it on YouTube or whatever. I don't care. This is going to be awesome. Not because it's, this is nothing I've thought up myself, by the way. I've done so much study the last few weeks. In fact, most of what I'm taking now is coming from Mark Vrokump's book, that Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy book. And if you want to go on Amazon and look for that, I recommend it. I bought it Friday. Like I've already had my sermon done and I bought that book. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And rewrote my sermon last night because of it. But Mark says there are four things that we can do when we are in the place of darkness on our Saturday, in our Saturday moment, if you will. The first thing we do is we turn to God. We bring our complaint. That's going to sound weird. We'll get to that in a minute. We're going to ask boldly for help. And we're going to choose to trust. Those are the four things we're going to work through. And we're going to do so by working through Psalm 13. And I'm going to read Psalm 13 in its entirety. And then we'll go through line by line and show you how we can do this together. So let's read Psalm 13. This is one of the lament psalms in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. Verse 1, it says this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? To be honest with you, Jesus could have quoted that psalm on the cross, couldn't he? (laughs) He chose Psalm 22, but he knew this one. He could have quoted that one. Verse 2, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider me and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes. Bring life back to me, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Verse 4, lest my enemy say that I have prevailed over him and my foes would rejoice because I have been shaken. But, verse 5, I have trusted in your steadfast love, God. And my heart shall rejoice in your salvation, and I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. That is a short psalm, and it's a short picture of what lamenting can look like. And inside that psalm, there are four parts there. The first one is this, turn to God, that our lament should always begin by turning to God. How long, verse one, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? This probably goes without saying, but you have to see this for what it is. Turn to God, to him, not away from him in these moments. Listen, you have very good friends that give you great life advice, right? But they're not God, (laughs) okay? They're awesome, like some of them, let's be honest, (laughs) right? (laughs) Not all of them. Some of you need new friends. I'm just going to say that. I love you. I'm your pastor. Whatever. Okay, turn to God in this. In the lament, in our grief and our sorrow, we go to who? We go to God first. This is what we're learning. And it points that the person is choosing to take their pain and they choose to talk to God about it and about what's happening. They don't take their pain, they don't take their sorrow to something, right? Something or someone else. We go to God with our pain. That's the first thing. Second thing is we bring him our complaints. And this already sounds weird. Can we complain to God? I think so. I, 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 when I read the Psalms, I think it's, it's all through Scripture. It sounds like Jesus was complaining to God, right? But, but he wasn't, he was giving his complaints to God. I don't, here's the di- distinction. He's not complaining about God. Maybe that's the subtle difference. So if you're taking notes, write that down, that we can take our c- complaints to God, but we're not complaining about him. 
because he's, he's better than us. His ways are not our ways. His understanding is different than our understanding. And so we just have to go to him with our complaints. But it's okay to just take them. Verse 2 says, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart? How long shall my enemy, the one who's trying to kill me, how long are they going to be over me, God? How long is this situation that I'm in? This is David, King David's psalm. It's whatever, but, but apply it to your own life. How long is this stinking thing going to go on, Lord? And just complain to him. And it's more than just a sinful rehearsing of our anger. Biblical lament, hear me, humbly comes before God. We humbly and honestly, we identify our pain. We have questions. God, where are you in this? I don't see. I thought I was doing it right. I thought I did everything right. I went to the church. I, I did the prayers. I wrote the checks. I did the Bible studies, all the things. And now I'm in this place of darkness. I thought, and you just take all of that to the Lord. I thought I did this. Where were you in this? Well, I don't understand what's happening. And we lay all of this before him. We bring him our frustrations, the very thing that's raging inside of our souls. He is not afraid of it. Again, we don't complain about him. We complain to him. And then we ask boldly for help. Step three, seeking God's help while in pain is an act of faith. Faith. So when sorrow and grief and pain has overcome you like the waves in an ocean, and you go to God and you ask him for help, what you're saying is there's something greater than what's happening right now. Now, we were singing of it earlier. Maybe you didn't even understand, but your spirit man or woman inside of you was going, yeah, baby, was just screaming on the inside. I could see your faces. You weren't really there yet. These are the jokes, people. These are the jokes. <laughs> You weren't there yet. You weren't getting it. But your spirit inside of you was getting it. That there's something greater than the mountain that I'm facing. Right? Do you guys remember the song we were singing? You, should we sing it again? All right. I'm just, we can do that if you want. But that's the point. Verse 3, it says, consider and answer me, oh God. He's like, here's my question for you, Lord. Light up my eyes. I'm asking for your help. Put life back in my eyes, God, lest I sleep the sleep of death. I think I'm dying, but you can bring life to Back to me. Verse 4, lest my enemy would say that I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes, foes rather rejoice because I've been shaken. You can change this, God. I'm asking you to change it. I love this line, unremitting sorrow. If we do not take our sorrow to God, unremitting sorrow can create a deadly silence inside of it that gives way to two things, despair or denial. Despair or denial, we can, we can, if we don't take what's really bothering us to the Lord, we begin to feel like nothing can change. If we don't ask boldly for a change, we just begin to feel despair and despair and despair, or we just begin to fake it, fake it, fake it. Everything's fine. He's on the throne. He's still on the throne. God is good. Yeah, we'll, we'll try it again next week. <laughs> Lament gives us a language for this, a biblical language. Lament invites us to dare to hope in God's promises once again. It takes our eyes off of our situation and looks to God again. Yes. And the last thing we do is we choose to trust. We choose to trust. This is the destination of our lament. All of our roads lead to this place. Trust. Trust. Right? We're not just complaining for complaining. We do that on Fridays at the bar. Okay? This is different. We complain to God. We ask for help. 
Our faith grows and our trust increases. We begin to have more and more trust. Verse 5 says this word, and I love it. I like big, verse 5, but. If you, could, if you could see your face, you would do it too. You guys need to smile. I told you it's going to be heavy, man. I told you. I told you. I like big, verse 5, but. I have trusted in your steadfast love. This is the fulcrum of lament. This is the the tipping point. This is the moment that we're looking for in this biblical process. So we go to God, right? We bring our complaints to him. We ask him to help us. And then our trust, it just flips the, the scales over. And all of a sudden, something that felt heavy is no longer heavy. All of a sudden, it feels like it's changing. This is the fulcrum moment that we turn our trust to God. More than the stages of grief, this prayer language moves us to renew our commitment to trust in God as we navigate the brokenness of life. We don't detour the brokenness of life. We navigate it. We go through it. And we don't go through it alone. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to finish up um, with this last idea. For the previous weeks leading up to this Sunday, I, I knew we were going to land on a lament Sunday. If you don't know much about me, I'm quite melancholy, right? Some say depressed, whatever. Tomato, tomato. That's <laughs> like, whatever. I don't care. I do my best. I'm just saying, right? And I am quite melancholy. Like, I love rainy days. Anyone? Because then I don't have to do yard work. I just get to lay on the couch. I feel no guilt, no shame. It's all biblical. It's wonderful. But I, we were leading into this moment of lament, and I knew it. And I asked uh, TJ, worship director, um, I think maybe even Chris, I don't know. But we were having this discussion amongst ourselves and the staff. I'm like, can we find a song, like a good song for lament? And we looked. And i got to be honest with you, they're not out there. There's not a lot of them out there. Like you can look at the top 100 songs that churches are singing and there are organizations who figure this out, if you know who CCLI is. You can look at CCLI top 100 songs and all of them, all of them are in a major key. You can't find anything in a minor key, man, I'm telling you. I said earlier, I said, we don't do, we don't lament well. We don't lament well personally and I don't think we lament well corporately. Like we have lost this ability as a church to walk through some of this stuff. I'm not saying it's impossible to find a song. We found a song, and the band's going to come back out, and we're going to do a lament song for you, just what you wanted. (laughs) You're like, why why do I feel like cutting myself when I leave church today? I don't understand. (laughs) Like, is this this normal? I'm just visiting. Is this a normal Sunday? It's not normal for us on Sunday. You, You know what normal is? Fake it. You know, normal is just fake it. Come on, everything's fine. He's still on the throne. God is good all the time. Whatever. Just come in and go. We don't, we don't park at the curb long enough at Lament to just like, like fight through this stuff with the Lord. And so we have a song that we want to sing. It's a Lament song. It's a song that I think is a, is a church we could embrace and we could come alongside and we could bring these things to God. It's a, it's a song written by someone who has gone through something in their life. It's probably going to... to it's probably going to find witness in your own soul. 
as we sing this song. And after the song, I'm going to come up, your pastor, and I'm going to pray a lament for us, which seems so strange. And I'm going to use those four principles, right, of turning to God, of taking our complaints before him, to asking him boldly to change it, and then we're going to go to him and trust. And I'm going to pray a lament over this church. I'm going to ask the people to turn the lights up a little bit so I can see your faces, and I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit lead us as we pray and lament. I'm not asking you to do anything unusual. You can, st- you can sit there and scowl at me just like you're doing right now. It's totally fine. 100% fine, okay? I'm just setting you, setting you up what we're going to do. Michael Card, worship leader and author, writes this. As we try to understand the shape of the world into which we've been born, we all experience the shushing of our parents when we would inevitably erupt into the wailing of our first infant laments, right? Little kids always crying, shh, shh. And contained somewhere in the heart of these demands to be quiet and beneath the sincere attempts at comforting lays a level of shame and the inescapable message that we should not cry out that we have been conditioned to shush when you want to cry. We've been conditioned to save that for home. We've been conditioned to don't let others see you cry. We've been conditioned, and I'm telling you, the scriptures don't teach that message. They don't. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I bring this to you right here. We have been told by culture that, that biblical lamenting is wrong. And because of it, we have a small faith. And today, in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I rebuke that teaching for all of its demonic device in our lives and release us to grow in uh, trust and to grow in faith. And the pathway through this, for many of us in the room, maybe not right now, but at some point you'll need this, the pathway through is through lament. So with your permission, Um, I'd like to corporately lament, shall we?
She touched your hem and you healed her. You opened eyes with the dirt we walk on. When will I wake from this nightmare? Where are you now? So, Lord, we come to you. We come to you right now. We step one, this process of lament, and we turn to you. We're not looking for political systems to fix this, Lord. Um, Love our nation, love all it stands for, all that. It's not the solution we need, Lord God. We turn to you. Our resources are deep, many of us. We can oftentimes write the check that gets us out of trouble or do the thing that we need to do, but, but this situation that we're in right now is, goes beyond our own resources. So Lord, we turn 
to you. We go to you, the creator of everything. The one who said after he had created the heavens and the earth and the inhabitants therein, that it was good. And so we come to the goodness of who you are, God, and we, we ask God that you would do something. And so now we bring our complaints to you, Lord. We're not complaining about you, God, but we're complaining because we have things broken in this world, Lord. There are too many of us who have loved ones bound in addiction, Lord, just ripped, ripped from our families because of addiction. Oh Lord, this world was not meant to be this way because of the sickness of death and all of that we have lost loved ones that we are not intended to lose, Lord. And so we complain that we stand before you with an aching heart asking God, why is this happening? We pray for the injustice that we see take place uh, for people all around the globe. To quote Martin Luther King, that based on the color of their skin, not the content of their character, that there is injustices that ravage this world, Lord. It's not your design or your plan for people to be mistreated and abused. And it happens, and God, we just, we can't take it some days. And we feel so small, we can't fix what's happening in our world. And we try, we vote, we, we pray, and we do all the things that we know to do, Lord God, but there is still a, a, an abuse that takes place of people and it breaks my heart, Lord. I, to the place we can't even watch the news sometimes because it just keeps us up at night. You could use this time now just in your own mind, just to take the thing that the Lord knows that you're wrestling with. Just take it to him, just in your mind, just whisper it to him. I don't care. Just these are the complaints, Lord. This is what's happening. And we ask God now that you would change it. Step three is God, you have the strong arm of salvation. It's rooted in you. That the plan that you have was established in your son, Jesus Christ, the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. That he was slain publicly, he was sacrificed publicly, he was raised from the dead publicly. We have hope in Jesus Christ and he is the, the hope of everything that we have. He is the king that we hail. He is the one and he is your plan for us. And we thank you for that, Lord God. And we ask God that this kingdom of this world would now find itself surrendered to the will of Jesus Christ. That we no longer fight against you, Lord God, but we would come with you in what you're trying to do. That we need you to break free some things in our lives, Lord God. We need the Spirit of God to be more powerful in our lives. We need to operate in more power of the Spirit in our lives so that we can break these shackles that, that bind us, Lord God. We need to be released of these things in Jesus' name. We need depression, melancholy, whatever you take it, anxiety, Lord God. We need these things to be remedied in Christ Jesus. We're asking for miracles now, Lord God, that you would do something by the sweeping of your arm that only you can do by the, the, the spoken word of your voice, Lord God, causes darkness to tremble, causes light to penetrate darkness. And we ask God that you would speak into all of our situations, into our families, into our marriages, into our children, into our schools, Lord God. God, protect our children as they go to school. We ask, Lord God, there'd be no news cycles this year about school shootings. None, Lord God, in Jesus' name, we pray this, God. We ask that you would do this. God, 
God, you can do this. Only you can do this. There's no amount of regulation or anything will do what, what you can do, God. And so we ask that you would do it, God. And we turn our trust, step four, we turn our trust back to who you are. That you are faithful, that you are good. And yes, you still are on the throne. That you still are on the throne, that you are good. We know that to be true. We know that to be true, God. We turn our trust back towards you. And we claim, proclaim rather, with our own voices that you are good. Would you say it with me? You are good, God. You are good. And our situation is not good. Pain is real. Pain is hard. Life is hard. But you are good, God. You are good. You are good. I You are good. You are good. We turn to you. You are. You're the only one that's good. We're good sometimes. You're good all the time. We still believe that, Lord, because you are good. Just sing with us. You are good. You are good. You are good. Yes. Just claim it. Hold on to it. Just have trust. Step through lament. Walk through the process and claim his goodness. It doesn't, I know it doesn't change your situation. Circumstances are still hard, but he's good. He's good. Yes, he is good. I believe God, you are good. Come on. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you. 